Chapter 25 James didn't want the earthworm and the centipede to get into another argument, so he said quickly to the earthworm, Tell me, do you play any kind of music? No, but I do other things, some of which are really quite extraordinary, the earthworm said, brightening. Such as what? asked James. Well, the earthworm said, next time you stand in a field or in a garden and look around you, then just remember this, that every grain of soil upon the surface of the land, every tiny little bit of soil that you can see, has actually passed through the body of an earthworm during the last few years. Isn't that wonderful? It's not possible, said James. My dear boy, it's a fact. You mean you actually swallow soil? Like mad, the earthworm said proudly, in one end and out the other. But what's the point? What do you mean, what's the point? Why do you do it? We do it for the farmers. It makes the soil nice and light and crumbly, so the things will grow well in it. If you really want to know, the farmers couldn't do without us. We are essential. We are vital. So it is only natural that the farmer should love us. He loves us even more, I believe, than he loves the ladybug. The ladybug, said James, turning, turning to look at her. Do they love you too? <laughs> I, I'm told that they do, the ladybug answered modestly, blushing all over. In fact, I understand that in some places the farmers love us so much that they go out and buy live ladybugs by the sackful and take them home and set them free in their fields. They are very pleased when they have lots of ladybugs in their fields. But why? James asked. Because we gobble up all the nasty little insects that are gobbling up all the farmer's crops. It helps enormously and we ourselves don't charge a penny for our services. I think you're wonderful, James told her. Can I ask you one special, special question? Please do. Well, is it really true that I can tell how old a ladybug is by counting her spots? Oh, oh no, that's just a children's story, the ladybug said. We never change our spots. Some of us, of course, are born with more spots than others, but we never change them. The number of spots that a ladybug has is simply a way of showing which branch of the family she belongs to. I, for example, as you can see for yourself, am a nine-spotted ladybug. I am very lucky. It is a fine thing to be. It is indeed, said James, gazing at the beautiful scarlet shell with the nine black spots on it. On the other hand, the ladybug went on, some of my less fortunate relatives have no more than two spots altogether on their shells. Can you imagine that? They are called two-spotted ladybugs, and very common and ill-mannered they are. I regret to say, and then, of course, you have the five-spotted ladybugs as well. They are much nicer than the two-spotted ones, although I myself find them a trifle too saucy for my taste. But they are all of them loved, said James. Yes, the ladybug answered quietly, they are all of them loved.
It seems that almost everyone around here is loved, said James. How nice this is. Not me, cried the centipede happily. I am a pest and I'm proud of it. Oh, I am such a shocking, dreadful pest. Here, here, the earthworm said. But what about you, Miss Spider, said James. Aren't you also much loved in the world? Alas, no, Miss Spider answered, sighing long and loud. I am not loved at all, and yet I do nothing but good. All day long I catch flies and mosquitoes in my webs. I am a decent person. I know you are, said James. It is very unfair the way we spiders are treated, Miss Spider went on. Why, only last week, your own horrible Aunt Sponge flushed my poor dear father down the plug hole in the bathtub. Oh, how awful, cried James. I watched the whole thing from a corner up in the ceiling, Miss Spider murmured. It was ghastly. We never saw him again. A large tear rolled down her cheek and fell with a splash on the floor. But is it not very unlucky to kill a spider? James inquired, looking around at the others. Of course it's unlucky to kill a spider, shouted the centipede. It's about the unluckiest thing anyone can do. Look what happened to Aunt Sponge after she'd done that bump. We all felt it, didn't we? As the peach went over her, Oh, what a lovely bump that must have been for you, Miss Spider. It was very satisfactory, Miss Spider answered. Will you sing us a song about it, please? So the centipede did. And Sponge was terrifically fat and tremendously flabby at that. Her tummy and waist were as soggy as paste. It was worse on the place where she sat. So she said, I must make myself flat. I must make myself sleek as a cat. I shall do without dinner to make myself thinner. But along came the peach, oh, the beautiful peach, and made her far thinner than that. That was very nice, Miss Spider said. Now sing one about Aunt Spiker. With pleasure, the centipede answered, grinning. Aunt Spiker was thin as a wire, and as dry as a bone, only drier. She was as long and thin if you carried her in, you could use her for poking the fire. I must do something quickly, she frowned. I want fat. I want pound upon pound. I must eat lots and lots of marshmallows and chalks till I start bulging out all around. And yes, she announced, I have sworn that I'll alter my figure by dawn, cried the peach with a snigger, I'll alter your figure, and ironed her out on the lawn. Everybody clapped and called for more songs from the centipede, who at once launched into his favorite song of all, Once Upon Time, Once Upon a Time, When Pigs Were Swine and Monkeys Chewed Tobacco, and hens took snuff to make themselves tough, and the ducks said, quack, quack, quack -o. And porcupines drank fiery wines, and goats ate tapioca, and old mother Hubbard got stuck in the... Look out, centipede, cried James, look out! 
the centipede, who had begun dancing wildly around the deck during the song, had suddenly gone too close to the downward curving edge of the beach, and for three awful seconds he had stood teetering on the brink, swinging his legs frantically in circles in an effort to stop himself from falling over backward into space. But before anyone could reach him, down he went. He gave a shriek of terror as he fell, and the others, rushing to the side and peering over, saw his poor long body tumbling over and over through the air, getting smaller and smaller until it was out of sight. Silkworm yelled James, quick, start spinning! The silkworm sighed, for she was still very tired from spinning all that silk for the seagulls, but she did as she was told. I'm going down after him, cried James, grabbing the silk string as it started coming out of the silkworm and tying the end of it around his waist. The rest of you hold on to silkworm so I don't pull her over with me. And later on, if you feel three tugs on the string, start hauling me up again. He jumped and he started tumbling down after the centipede. Down, down, down toward the sea below, and you can imagine how quickly the silkworm had to spin to keep up with the speed of his fall. We'll never see either of them again, cried the ladybug. Oh dear, oh dear, just when we were all so happy too. Miss Spider, the glowworm, and the ladybug all began to cry. So did the earthworm. I don't care a bit about the centipede, the earthworm sobbed, but I really did love that little boy. Very softly, the old green grasshopper started to play the funeral march on his violin, and by the time he had finished, everyone, including himself, was in a flood of tears. Suddenly, there came three sharp tugs on the rope. Pull! shouted the old green grasshopper. Everyone get behind me and pull! There was about a mile of string to be hauled in, but they all worked like mad, and in the end, over the side of the peach, there appeared a dripping wet James with a dripping wet centipede, clinging to him tightly with all 42 of his legs. He saved me, gasped the centipede. He swam around in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean until he found me. My dear boy, the old green grasshopper said, patting James on the back. I do congratulate you. My boots, cried the centipede. Just look at my precious boots. They are all ruined by the water. Be quiet, the earthworm said. You are lucky to be alive. Are we still going up and up, asked James. We certainly are, answered the old green grasshopper, and it's beginning to get dark. I know it'll soon be night. Why don't we all go down below and keep warm until tomorrow morning, Miss Spider suggested. No, the old green grasshopper said. I think that would be very unwise. It will be safer if we all stay up here through the night and keep watch. Then if anything happens, we shall all anyway be ready for it. James Henry Trotter and his companions crouched close together on top of the peach as the night began, closing in around them. Clouds, like mountains, towered high above their heads on all sides, mysterious, menacing, overwhelming. 
Gradually, it grew darker and darker, and then a pale three-quarter moon came up over the tops of the clouds and cast an eerie light over the whole scene. The giant peach swayed gently from side to side as it floated along, and the hundreds of silky white strings going upward from its stem were beautiful in the moonlight. So also was the great flock of seagulls overhead. There was not a sound anywhere. Traveling upon the peach was not in the least like traveling in an aeroplane. The aeroplane comes clattering and roaring through the sky, and whatever might be lurking secretly up there in the great cloud mountains goes running for cover as at its approach. That is why people who travel in airplanes never see anything. But the peach, ah yes, the peach was a soft, stealthy traveler making no noise at all as it floated along. And several times during that long, silent night, ride high up over the middle of the ocean in the moonlight, James and his friends saw things that no one had ever seen before. Once, as they drifted silently past a massive white cloud, they saw on the top of it a group of strange, tall, wispy-looking things that were about twice the height of ordinary men. They were not easy to see at first because they were almost as white as the cloud itself. But as the peach sailed closer, it became obvious that these things were actually living creatures, tall, wispy, wraith-like, shadowy, white creatures who looked as though they were made out of a mixture of cotton wool and candy floss and thin, white hairs. Ooh, the ladybug said, I don't like this at all. Shh, James whispered back. Don't let them hear you. They must be cloud men. Cloud men? They murmured, huddling closer together for comfort. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm glad I'm blind and can't see them, the earthworm said, or I would probably scream. I hope they don't turn around and see us, Miss Spider stammered. Do you think they would eat us? The earthworm asked. They would eat you, the centipede answered, grinning. They would cut you up like a salami and eat you in thin slices. The poor earthworm began to quiver all over with fright. But what are they doing? The old green grasshopper, grasshopper whispered. I don't know, James answered softly. Let's watch and see. The cloud men were all standing in a group, and they were doing something peculiar with their hands. First they would reach out, all of them at once, and grab handfuls of cloud. Then they would roll these handfuls of cloud in their fingers until they turned into what looked like large white marbles. Then they would toss the marbles to one side and quickly grab more bits of cloud and start over again. It was all very silent and mysterious. The pile of marbles beside them kept growing larger and larger. Soon there was a truckload of them there at least. They must be absolutely mad, the centipede said. There's nothing to be afraid of here. Be quiet, you best, the earthworm whispered. We shall all be eaten if they see us. 
But the cloud men were too busy with what they were doing to have noticed the great peach floating silently up behind them. Then the watchers on the peach saw one of the cloud men raising his long, wispy arms above his head, and they heard him shouting, All right, boys, that's enough. Get the shovels. And all the other cloud men immediately let out a strange, high-pitched whoop of joy and started jumping up and down and waving their arms in the air. Then they picked up enormous shovels and rushed over to the pile of marbles and began shoving them as fast as they could over the side of the cloud into space. Down they go, they chanted as they worked. Down they go, hail and snow, freezes and sneezes and noses will blow. It's hailstorms, whispered James excitedly. They've been making hailstorms, and now they are showing them down, throwing them, and showering them down onto the people in the world below. Hailstones, the centipede said. That's ridiculous. This is summertime. They don't have hailstones in summertime. They're practicing for the winter, James said. I don't believe it, shouted the centipede, raising his voice. Shh, the others whispered. And James said softly, for heaven's sake, centipede, don't make so much noise. The centipede roared with laughter. Those imbeciles couldn't hear anything, he cried. They're deaf as doorknobs. You watch. And before anyone could stop him, he had cupped his front feet to his mouth and was yelling at the cloud men as loud as he could. Idiots, he yelled. Nincompoops, halfwits, blunderheads, asses. What on earth do you think you're doing over there? The effect was immediate. The cloud men jumped around as if they had been stung by wasps. And when they saw the great golden peach floating past them, not 50 yards away in the sky, they gave a yub of surprise and dropped their shovels to the ground. And there they stood with the moonlight streaming down all over them, absolutely motionless, like a group of tall, white, hairy statues, staring and staring at the gigantic fruit as it went sailing by. The passengers on the peach, all except the centipede, sat frozen with terror, looking back at the cloud men and wondering what was going to happen next. Now you've done it, you loathsome pest, whispered the earthworm to the centipede. I'm not frightened of them, shouted the centipede, and to show everybody once again that he wasn't, he stood up to his full height and started dancing about and making insulting signs at the cloud men with all 42 of his legs. This evidently infuriated the cloud men beyond belief. All at once, they spun around and grabbed great handfuls of hailstones and rushed to the edge of the cloud and started throwing them at the peach, shrieking with fury all the time. Look out, cried James. Quick, lie down, lie, fat on, lie flat on the deck. It was lucky they did. A large hailstone can hurt you as much as a rock or a lump of lead if it is thrown hard enough. And my goodness, how those cloud men could throw. The hailstones came whizzing through the air like bullets from a machine gun, and James could hear them smashing against the sides of the peach and burying themselves in the peach flesh with horrible, squelching noises. Plop, 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 
And then, bing, 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 as they bounced off the floor, Ladybug shell, because she couldn't lie as flat as the others. And then, crack, as one of them hit the centipede right on the nose, and crack, again, as another one hit him somewhere else. Ow, he cried. Ow, stop, stop. But the cloud men had no intention of stopping. James could see them rushing about on the cloud like a lot of huge hairy ghosts, picking up hailstorms from the pile, dashing to the edge of the cloud, hurling the hailstones at the peach, dashing back again to get more, and then when the pile of stones was all gone, they simply grabbed handfuls of cloud and made as many more as they wanted, and much bigger ones now, some of them as large as cannonballs. Quickly, cried James, down the tunnel or we'll all be wiped out. There was a rush for the tunnel entrance and a half a minute later, everybody was safely downstairs inside the stone of the peach, trembling with fright and listening to the noise of the hailstones as they came crashing against the side of the peach. I'm a wreck, groaned the centipede. I am wounded all over. It serves you right, said the earthworm. Would somebody kindly look and see if my shell is cracked, the ladybug asked. Give us some light, shouted the old green grasshopper. I can't, wailed the glowworm. They've broken my bulb. Then put in another one, the centipede said. Be quiet a moment, said James. Listen, I do believe they're not hitting us anymore. They all stopped talking and listened. Yes, the noise had ceased. The hailstones were no longer smashing against the peach. We've left them behind. The seagulls must have pulled us away out of danger. Hooray, let's go up and see. Cautiously, with James going first, they all climbed back up the tunnel. James poked his head out and looked around. It's all clear, he called. I can't see of the, any of them anywhere.